BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023. It's about 1145 in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Phil Giraldi joins us now. Phil, thank you very much for joining us. And thanks for your time last week uh, with us when I was uh, in Europe. You had many, many, many people uh, from Europe and, of course, from all over the world uh, watching us. Um, Since you and I spoke last, uh, the Ukrainians have uh, exploded some drones in a residential area uh, 10 minutes or so from the neighborhood of uh, President Putin's official uh, residence. There's a picture of it. Uh, Tony Schaefer says that that is either a a 500 or 1,000 pound payload. That's, That's a significant explosion. He asks us to look for the red at the beginning. We'll let Gary run it one more time because he says that red will tell an ordinance person. I know you're not ordinance, neither am I. Um, give the, an ordinance person an indication. One more time, Gary, there it is. See the red of, uh, of the power of it. But my question to you is, would American intel be aware of the dispatch of this drone and others like it to this residential neighborhood before they went? Well, of course, that's a difficult question. Uh, I, I, would, I would think they must have been knowledgeable, not in a sense of directly being informed by the Ukrainians, but rather because I would imagine that every communication system that the Ukrainian government and military use uh, is being tapped into by um, CIA, NSA, FBI, whatever whatever um, law enforcement and national intelligence agencies are operating fully there. I would imagine that's a given. That so they would have had some prior knowledge of what was going on and uh, probably also what the targets were. And would they have uh, reported that prior knowledge to their bosses in Langley and from Langley to the West Wing? I mean, stated differently, would American military and political leadership have been aware of these drones being aimed at a residential neighborhood in Moscow before they were dispatched? Is that more likely than not? I know you don't know the precise answer. You weren't there. But is it more likely than not, based upon your sources and your experience, uh, that American senior military and political leadership would have known about this? Well, given the fact that an attack on Moscow of this nature, um, which will escalate uh, what is going on in the region there dramatically, I would suspect, um, I would believe that any field intelligence like this collected would immediately be shared 
with the National Security Council, for starters, uh, and also with the with uh, the, the president. Um, this is a significant move, and one that is quite dangerous in terms of moving this this war to another level. And of course, the Russians might make the assumption that this ordinance and the intelligence behind it to do the targeting came from another party like the United States. I mean, as, as I see it, either the United States knew about it and consented, which, as you say, raises a lot of other issues about where this war uh, is going about, which more in a moment, or uh, Zelensky, President Zelensky and his crew are really loose cannons, reckless uh, in the extreme. Now, perhaps both is the case mm-hmm. uh, here. Why would this have been aimed at a residential neighborhood, the opposite of a of a military target, and a residential neighborhood close to uh, the pre- president uh, Putin's official residence? I don't know where he sleeps at night. He probably has many residences, but this is one of them. Well, didn't one senior Russian official describe it as a, like an attack on Beverly Hills? Um, so it was that kind of context. This was a high end. Uh, residential area in Moscow, and uh, Putin apparently was not anywhere near it. But nevertheless, the targeting was very specific. It was going after a high-profile target that if it had killed a lot of senior Russians or Russians who had high profiles, it would have been an automatic escalation uh, probably within 24 hours of the event taking place. Uh, it seems to me to be reckless uh, in the extreme uh, for the Americans to have uh, consented to this. I mean, surely, if this word got to the National Security Council, the president could have called up Zelensky and said, don't you dare, are you crazy? We're not supporting World War III. But he didn't. Yeah, well, of course he didn't. I mean, uh, if there were private exchanges that went on, I would rather suspect there were. Uh, then we're not going to be uh, in the loop about that. They're not going to okay. tell us because this is. Let's face it. I mean, this is this is becoming Biden's war, and there's there's not really a whole lot we can uh, we can do to change that message that they're sending out. Let, let's go back to some of the conversations we had a few months ago, and later your use of that phrase, Biden's war, with which I'm in full agreement, and I suspect nearly everyone watching this now is uh, as well. When the um, CIA um, people who uh, advise him of, of their version of the raw intel, uh, you know, it starts out in the field and makes its way to Langley, and then it's politicized and mixed up and spun, and then it gets to the Oval Office, I guess. Are they going to tell him what they think he wants to hear? Or are they going to tell him what the raw intel is telling them? They'll be basically telling him what he wants to hear, but if they're doing it cleverly enough, they will also weave the raw intel into the message. So it depends on how good the briefer is. If you get a guy like Ray McGovern, who was uh, uh, a a top-level briefer, who also uh, has Russian language skills, uh, he was a guy who would be able to do this very skillfully. Uh, I don't know who is briefing uh, the White House right now, and and, they could be someone who's a lot lower down the uh, the food chain, and we don't really know that. 
a few minutes ago, um, when I asked you about Intel being aware of the planned drone strike on the residential neighborhood in Moscow, and you mentioned the CIA and the NSA, you also mentioned the FBI. Is the FBI a domestic law enforcement agency physically present in Ukraine or monitoring by some means communications between and among Ukrainian officials? Uh, well, the FBI has uh, an office in uh, most embassies. It's called the Legat. And the Legat, of course, is answerable to the Attorney General. Now, stop it, Rupert. That's enough. Um, so, you know, uh, this is uh, um, another function, and it varies from country to country as to how deeply the FBI is embedded with the local law enforcement. In a place like Ukraine, where we're paying all the bills, I rather suspect they are deeply embedded. And, and what, are, what are they doing there? I mean, we have the CIA physically present on the ground. We have the NSA, which monitors uh, Zelensky snoring at night, for all we know. What is the FBI there for? Well, the FBI, if, they, if you were to ask them, of course, they would probably be lying to you. Um, they would say that they're there basically to coordinate law enforcement efforts. Now, I imagine that one of their big jobs right now is to pin this wrap of, uh, of war crimes on Putin and and on the Russians, and they're probably doing the investigations for uh, Garland on that, for Merrick Garland, the Attorney General. And uh, this is probably a big job of what they do. But to do that, they're deeply into what the whatever uh, law enforcement entities exist in in uh, Ukraine, and they probably uh, uh, their job is to make make sure they're keeping an eye on them and finding out what they're not being told. Wow. All right, Senator um, uh, Lindsey Graham, who, of course, once famously uh, publicly called for President Putin's uh, assassination, had a meeting with President Zelensky in Kiev uh, over the weekend. Um, I don't know how long the meeting was. We have about a 30, 35-second clip I'd like your views on the significance uh, of what he said to uh, President Zelensky. Watch that. Uh, nice to meet you. How are you, sir? Thank you very much. Thanks, United States, people of, of the United States, for all big support. Thank you so much. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. So the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. Russians are dying. It's the best money uh, we've ever spent. Hyperbole or recklessness? Well, this is extremely reckless. Uh, and the Russians responded to it by um, putting him on a list. They, the fact is, this, this guy is, has been a loose cannon since forever. And he gets away with it because uh, there's always been kind of the, what I would call the McCain wing um, uh, of the reckless use of force uh, in the Republican Party. And, and he, he, Lindsey Graham, has been a major part of that. Uh, I think it's insane. 
uh, even if you believe it's a great idea, you're killing Russians and your money is being well spent, you don't say it. And, uh, you know, this is just a, a, another message to the American people that our government uh, in a bipartisan sense, sense is out of control. Uh, this is a tragedy. I mean, this is uh, a reckless poking of the bear, uh, if you will. And almost a gloating. If you saw the uh, saw the look on his face, you you almost can't blame them. I think they put him on a list of war criminals or sanctions or uh, or something. Nothing's gonna nothing's gonna happen to him. He he uh, reacted typically to it, saying it's a badge of honor, and I'm and I welcome it. Um, but does a statement like this animate Russians, uh, Russian leadership, or do they view him as just a a thug. Well, they probably view him as a thug, but they view him as a well-connected thug. He's been around in the Senate for a long time. There are some indications of, that there are a number of others in the Republican Party that uh, see it the way he does. Uh, I, I would say uh, a certain senator from Florida uh, and uh, another one from Arkansas. Uh, these are all people that, that basically believe in the um, the liberal application of force and terrorism by the United States is somehow legitimate. And what it does was, is it cuts off all possible discussion or discourse with people who are adversaries. And it also, in, in, it also enables them to seize the high ground in terms of what the United States is saying and doing. You, you recently wrote, uh, in a critical way, and I, of course, uh, applaud that criticism of legislation introduced by Senator Marco Rubio of Florida, which would make it illegal for uh, American corporations to participate uh, in boycotts uh, of uh, countries that are aligned with uh, whoever's in the White House at, at the moment, basically interfering with commercial and economic decisions made by uh, American corporations and their affiliates overseas. What's he trying to accomplish other than suppressing free speech? Well, he's, he's criminalizing or the, the intention, the ultimate intention is to criminalize um, private entities, whether as individuals or as companies uh, from basically uh, encouraging boycotts and other economic action directed against countries that Washington considers to be friends. And of course, this is, this is primarily focused on, on uh, Israel and the BDS movement, uh, although the, the legislation actually doesn't say that, uh, but the, the sponsors do say it. And uh, the idea is to make it so that anyone who criticizes Israel is, uh, is up for penalties. And there are 26 states right now where you can be penalized by just saying that that you support um, uh, economic action against Israel for for its um, uh, crimes against humanity. So, that, I mean, this is a major attack on freedom of speech. Getting back to um, uh, to Ukraine, um, here's uh, Victoria Newland. Uh, about five or six months ago, uh, encouraging, it seems absurd, but she, she's encouraging an invasion of Crimea. There is a drone base in Crimea 
where the drones that the Iranians have yes, given yes. Russia are being launched from. There are command and control sites in Crimea that are essential for Russia's hold on all of the territory, including the land bridge. There are mass military installations on Crimea that Russia has turned into essential logistics and back office depots for this war. Those are legitimate targets. Ukraine is hitting them, and we are supporting that. About as reckless as Senator Graham. Yeah, the, the real reckless words were the last few, uh, and right. we are supporting them. Right. Uh, this is basically telling the Russians that we're involved in the attacks on, uh, on uh, Sevastopol, and, and uh, these basically, uh, Russia sees this as a vital national security interest. There's no two ways to parse that. And so it's, it's essentially saying, look, we're already involved in this war and we're directing them and we're giving them the weapons that they're going to use to attack a vital national interest. Here she is uh, last Friday, just uh, five days ago, talking about American involvement in the preparation for the so-called spring offensive. And second part of what she says, preparing for a government when the war is over. And even as you plan for the counteroffensive, which we have been working on with you for some four or five months, we are already beginning our discussions uh, with the Ukrainian government and with friends in Kyiv, both in the civilian side and on the military side, about Ukraine's long-term future. Let's start uh, with the uh, first part. Uh, could you imagine the American Secretary of State announcing on the airwaves, such as they were in 1944, oh, and you British are helping us to plan uh, D-Day and we'll, we'll be there uh, with you. How reckless is something like this? Well, again, it's, it's totally reckless. It, uh, it takes no account of uh, other options that could be pursued uh, in terms of this conflict. Like, uh, for example, I never hear, hear her use the word negotiate or discuss. It's always like we are, we are partners, fully partners with Zelensky, uh, who is a loose cannon and has his own ambitions. And uh, we are willing to do whatever it takes to defeat, and Biden has said the same thing, we'll do whatever it takes to, to, to win this war. And obviously winning the war now means dismembering what has become part of Russia. And uh, we're looking at Russia as a, uh, as a, a truncation, perhaps. So it's, uh, and uh, we're actively doing it with, a, um, with the Ukrainian government. Uh, so this, again, this is insane. If, even if you're doing this kind of thing, uh, you don't tell people that. You don't do it. It gains you nothing. And all it does is make the more the situation more intractable. Now we'll go to uh, a far more sane observer uh, of the scene. This is a Q and A uh, with Hungarian Prime Minister uh, Viktor Orban. I'm going to guess that you will share my view of his nuance, uh, his values. And quite frankly, his articulation. It's, it's a little long, but it's worth watching and listening to. 
you, you made a great deal about 19, oh, 1956 yeah, yeah. and fighting for freedom. You have a neighbor who is invaded by Russia, the very country. You know, you grew up with pictures of tanks going into Budapest. You know, why are you opposing no. the European aid? No, no, it's, it's emotionally. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's tragic. So, so we, all of our heart is with the Ukrainians. We understand how much they suffer. But I'm speaking here as a politician who should save lives. So the most important thing for the international political communities to save lives, especially when you are convinced, as I do, that there is no chance to win this war. So therefore, what we should do far more energy invest into to convince everybody that the only solution is ceasefire. And then after the ceasefire, peace talks should start. And then we could back to your point, yeah? To, do you, to but, the, you, but do you really think there is no chance of Ukraine winning? That's and my surely point. the main, surely the, they stand very little chance of winning without the aid which you are currently blocking. No, no, my, my, my position is that uh, looking at the reality, looking at the figures, looking at the surroundings, looking at the fact that NATO is not ready to send troops, it's obvious that there is no victory for uh, Ukra poor Ukrainians on the battlefield. You're not going to hear that out of uh, anybody in the State Department. No, I, I think that uh, he was right on every point he made. Uh, that this has just become a slaughterhouse for uh, both sides to a certain extent. Uh, Ukrainians have no chance of winning. Um, he sounded a lot like uh, Colonel McGregor, uh, I'm happy to say. And, and uh, he's basically saying the more you prolong this, you're just killing people for no, ultimately no reason. And uh, um, I, th I think it also was Colonel McGregor who, who said that, you know, Joe Biden could, could end this fight Picking up the phone, and uh, I think it would probably take a couple phone calls, but uh, I, I think that's probably true. I think that uh, everyone would welcome a way to bring in a ceasefire and then get into serious discussions about uh, an end game here to to end the killing and to come to some kind of political settlement over the territorial claims. One of our uh, writers says uh, Orban needs to be careful. Uh, they might uh, provoke a color revolution in Hungary soon. That would be your former colleagues in the Central Intelligence Agency. Yeah, and, and Victor let's not leave Victoria Nuland out of it. Correct. Uh, she's the expert at this sort of thing. And uh, uh, there, ha there has been, as I'm sure you're aware, considerable pressure from the U.S. Embassy in Budapest um, attacking the, the Orban government on various levels. Uh, and um, this, is, this has been unrelenting in the last uh, year or so. Wow. Phil Giraldi, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you so much for joining us, for your time, and for your comments. Thank you. We'll see you again soon. More as we get it, my dear friends. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.